Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we continue on. Fred Rogan and Rodney Pete on AM570 LA Sports. The Penguin Ron Say, legendary Dodger, won a World Series. He's written a book. He's going to join us coming up at about 120. Excited to talk to Ron Say, Ron right? Say, the Penguin. Those the days of, you know, when you could name the lineups of all those teams in the 70s, man. That was a cool thing. And and they had, remember, it was the Dodgers always fighting it out with the big red machine in Cincinnati. Oh, that was some good old days in those 70s baseball matchups, man. Because so, players stayed with teams. They were there right. for the duration. Yeah, and and that was kind of cool. Davey Lopes. Yep, Davey right? Lopes. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Garvey. You know, Garvey at first. Absolutely. You know, the and I think I've asked him about this before, but there was a moment when he was playing for the Dodgers, and I was I was already working here. I'll never forget it. I don't know why it happened. I, and I laughed hysterically. Thank God nobody got hurt. Ron saves at third. There was yeah. a slow roller to the left side of the infield. Bob Welsh is pitching. So he runs the ball down, and he's going to throw the ball to, say, third base. I think it was a force play. Pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Welsh gets there, picks up the ball. He's got to be eight feet from Ron Say, so he can't hand him the ball. He's got to throw it to him, right? Uh-huh. I don't know what possessed him to do this. It's like Bob Welsh took a full windup and rifled the ball right at Say, and the ball hit him directly in the chest. Say didn't what? move. Yeah, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna ask him about it again. Oh please, I want to hear that story and I want to hear what he did to Bob Welch afterwards. It was so- in the clubhouse. What are you doing? You're five feet away from me, you throwing it a hundred miles an hour in my chest. <laughs> and it just and Rodney, it's like it hit, a, it hit a brick wall. The ball just <laughs> boom, and Say just stared at him. So we'll ask Ron about that. He'll be coming up at about one twenty uh, tonight. Denver can do what everybody believed they were gonna do. And finish off Miami. So this morning, um, I'm walking around, and I see a guy on the street as I'm walking in. He goes, you know, you really think Miami has any kind of chance here? Do you really think they have a chance? I went, no, I didn't think they had a chance before it started. Anything could happen. But if you're just being honest and realistic, there's no opportunity here for Miami. Not because Miami's bad. Not because Miami won't play hard. But because Denver really is the class. Class of the league. The best team in the league. And they're proving it. They're deep. They're strong. They've been together. They have Jokic. They're good. They're just really, really good. And that's no disrespect to Miami, who's had a marvelous run here, Rodney. Sometimes, you said it, I've used the line with others, those guys get paid on the other side, too. Yes, they do. And those guys getting paid on the other side are pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. They are pros for a reason. Right. You know, you you slice it, dissect it, try to pick it apart, try to figure it out. Bottom line is, they're just better. They're really, really good. Okay. So if we could acknowledge that, despite the fact Vic said Miami would win in seven games. Yes, he did. He said, this is exclusive. I said, oh, no, it's more than that. 
you're the only person on the planet saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's more than exclusive, Vic. It's it's a tad bit delusional. But we'll talk to Vic when he comes on about it. It gets you to thinking, okay, if Denver's really that good, and sometimes in a season, Rodney, as you know, everything comes together and it goes your way, mm-hmm. and, and it, it all clicks, and it's happened for them this year. But there's nothing to indicate they're going to get worse. They might not win it again. Yeah. But there's nothing to indicate they're not going to get worse, which means they're really good, which now leads you to the Lakers and the Clippers. For the Lakers, if they were firing on all cylinders, I don't know if they're good enough to beat them. I don't know. And if that's the case, that's who you're chasing now. What do you do? What moves do you make? Uh, Somebody from Bleacher Report suggested, I got a plan. Listen, how about this? The Suns, obviously, are going to make a move with Chris Paul. Why don't the Lakers trade D'Angelo Russell for Chris Paul? I can answer that because not even the Lakers could be that dumb. They would never do that. That would be a disastrous decision because Chris Paul is not going to be the guy to get you over the top, right? If you want to play the name game, that's great. But a guy that can play 40 games and usually gets hurt in the playoffs He's not the missing piece of this puzzle. He he just can't be. For the Clippers to chase No, Denver, he can't be the piece, but he certainly can help. He can help, but he can't, in my opinion, he can't help enough of the okay. time. Okay, I hear you. That's my, my concern. When he's good, he's good, but he can't be good enough of the time. Because you could sit here and say, you know, I got to tell you, next year's the one year he's not going to get hurt. Right, right. That's not going to happen. He's going to get hurt. Yeah. And you already got a guy that's uh, the same thing, 50-50, whether he stays healthy in Anthony Davis. Right. So, so you, don't need, you, don't, you're, you don't need two of your three right. to be guys you don't know if you can count on. Right. So the Clippers. The awful nice. They can. Well, yeah, but uh, let's not just. Let's not get I don't want to hear it. Oh, it's the same thing as Russell Westbrook. No, it's not. It oh, would no. not be. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's not available enough. Correct. He's not available. So Correct. he's not going to be the guy. Clippers, I think they've got even a bigger problem now because they got two guys that get hurt. Two guys yes. that can't stay healthy. And those are the two guys the whole team is built around. That's a problem. They should move one, but who are they going to move and what can they get because they're hurt? Yeah. It, it was like the Anthony. And if it's the one, who do you move? Well, I you think gotta, you're saying you got to move one. Who do you move? You get more for Kawhi. I mean, you get more for more for Paul George. You think you get more in return for Paul George? Yeah, yeah, because he plays more. He does. He does. But he's also, you know, missed a lot of time in the last two years, three years. Well, no, I a agree. A lot of time. But of those two, he plays more than huh. the other one. Yeah. So it would be Paul George. So both teams. Can Paul George win a game for you? Putting the, putting the team on your back. He's playoff P. He could do it. Huh? Playoff he P. Could he have done what Kawhi did in that first game against who was it? Was it Golden State? I know it was Phoenix. 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 Yeah. What he did against Phoenix. He Phoenix. might. He might. And, he might have been able to seriously. And if he stays healthy and he plays in that series. Clippers have a legitimate chance to win. Absolutely. I don't know if Paul George could have did that in that game that they won. Well, I'm just going to roll the dice and say you 
of the playoff two of them, Paul okay. George is going to play playoff more. Beat. He's going to play more, so that's the guy you'd move. So now you look at it and go, all right, now what are we going to do? Because no matter how good we get, are we going to be as good as those guys? No matter what we do, are we going to be as good as those guys? So Dan Whitey had an interesting idea, and I think it works for the Lakers. The Clippers had depth, but their two stars couldn't play. I think this works for the Lakers. And kind of build your roster with a bunch of scrappy, unheralded players and then support your big two with those guys. They kind of already are doing that. Austin Reeves, he's a scrappy guy. You know, he was nobody's number one pick. That works. Uh, when they traded for Rui Hachimura. Now, granted, he was a top 10 pick, but he had struggled in Washington and they gave him new life. He's scrappy, he's aggressive. I think those are the kind of guys you try to surround LeBron and AD with. The old plan, which didn't work when you had three stars, uh, you know, we'll pay these three guys all this money and we'll go find a bunch of guys and throw them in here. That doesn't work. That that did not work. Uh, with D'Angelo Russell, I think there's a tough decision to be made here. Yeah. Doesn't it come down to cost? Yeah. D'Angelo Russell? Because mm-hmm. you want him back. Mm-hmm. If, you can, if you can keep him, you want him back. But what's it going to cost you? You know, there's actually conflicting reports as to whether or not the Lakers want him back. Believe it or not, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a there's, there's split in that building. Do we need him back? Do we want him back? You know, certainly uh, he's a defensive liability on the court, and then um, you know, kind of was a little sometimey in in the postseason. You know, where you expected a big game out of him, and he did have a couple of them, but then he did. You couldn't find him the next game. Um, and that might have been minutes. It might have been, you know, playing time, all that kind of stuff. But it was a little bit of, I need more of D'Angelo Russell, and I didn't get it. Um, but certainly he can he can score, he can fill it up, but it, it's going to come down to how much money it's going to cost the Lakers. No, I agree with you 100%. Probably too much. Well, but there therein lies the question. How much is too much, right? I mean, yeah. If for them to summarily say we don't want him, I don't buy that. I do not yeah. buy that for one second. Mm-mm. It no, just now know. comes down to, you know, what value am I getting in return? They can't afford to make the mistake they've made in the past. Russell Westbrook. They can't do that. They can't. I remember when uh, Trevor Ariza was on the, the show. Or on the self-inflicted team and, wounds, you mean? Yeah, you can't, can't do, do that. that. Right. You cannot go out and pay a ton of dough to another guy, the old three-headed monster those days are gone yeah that doesn't work it doesn't it's gone you can't have three anymore it only works if those guys are like in their prime like the heatles were but you saw i bring in an old guy at the end of his career like russ with an older player who's always hurt these days like anthony davis it's yeah. different it's rare but that you're you gonna see, get three guys who are in their mid-20s all come together and yeah. play on the same team that just for, doesn't for, happen yeah for that reason and then for the way it is right now it's as much as it is the stars and and Jokic and, and those guys doing well, Murray playing well, it's it's the supporting cast and the depth that they have that is winning games for them and allowing them to be dominant. Um, those guys are going to get theirs, but, but you got, you know, Gordon willing to do and sacrifice probably his game to do what he does to fit into that team. Um, that's what's getting it done. Porter Michael Porter Jr. is what's getting it done, even though he got paid a little bit too. Um but it's guys like that. Andrew Wiggins. They don't go and say doesn't win last year without Andrew Wiggins. Um, so it, it's you gotta. I don't think you can pay three guys and have that three-headed monster like you used to with, like they did in Miami with 
Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Chris Bosh. Yeah, the new luxury tax, which yeah. they just put in, that'll affect that as well. Because if you right. want to get greedy and go crazy, and, and I don't care, yeah, but now you're going to be penalized yeah. in other ways that you don't want to yeah. be penalized in. So that's not going to happen anymore. And that's why I think this kind of scrappy, Lakers have done a good job of finding guys in the second round. Yes. You know, they've really yes. done a good job with that. Find guys like that. Yes. Their scouting department has been incredible for the guys in, in the gyms that they've found, um, whether undrafted or drafted, like you said, in the second round that, that came through for them. But the key is you found them, you got them, you like them. Don't trade them for aging stars. You got them, you like them, hold on to them and let them grow and develop them. Don't say, well, you know what? We now have a chance. Oh, you wouldn't have made the AD? So you wouldn't have made the AD trade? Well, I guess you had to then. You had to. But you gave up but like I think you said, your young stars. You gave up your young players, yeah, the Brandon Ingrams. Well, that's the guy. You know? That's the one guy you didn't want to give up. But then look what they did with Westbrook and who they traded mm-hmm. away. Yeah. So I'm saying at this point, you have guys. If you if you do, be scrappy, be smart, and grow your guys. Don't play the name game anymore because the name game doesn't work anymore. Uh, all right, we're giving away those tickets to the U.S. Open. It's a hot ticket. You'll have a chance to win it. That's coming up. And when we come back, a mainstay of the Dodger infield, Ron Say. Oh, yes. Let's keep it moving on a beautiful Monday, June the 12th. God, it's flying by. Flying by. We are into summer and the June gloom, Freddie. But ain't nothing gloomy about what's going on today. Tell you that. <laughs> Agree to that. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Let's do this. Come uh, on. So we are giving away tickets to the uh, U.S. Open. I mentioned that. I mentioned it again because I want you to have a chance to win. So stay with us. We'll be giving the tickets away. Uh, and look, it's been the last time in Los Angeles 75 years ago. So it's not like you can see it every year here. Mm-mm. No, you can't. And it's at L.A. Country Club, which is. Which you probably can't get into. <laughs> you, you and I have had problems getting into that, that place over the years. But I think they've laxed a little bit and, and kind of, you know, sped up the clock since, uh, to, you know, from 1950 yeah. to where we are now. Funny, yeah, a couple of places in town, yeah. neither one of us yes. could get into. Yes, yes, that was one of them for years. We couldn't get into it, Freddie. Um, but we digress. And, uh, yes, but it's, it is one of the most. Beautiful tracks that you'll ever see. And, uh, you know, people talk about it now. The world's going to get to see it, uh, you know. But L.A. Country Club, I had the luxury of playing it once. And it is, I mean, it is the best of the best in terms of manicure, the way it's laid out, how, you know, how great the, the greens and the fairways are. I mean, it's 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 really top-notch. Uh, uh, and it's and it's great. I think it's going to be fantastic. And that alone, I think, you know, people look, like to hear about L.A. They want to, you know, think about the Riviera that the L.A. opens at all the time. But L.A. Country Club is beautiful, man. And because nobody really could get into it for years, <laughs> uh, it's a bit mysterious. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. A bit mysterious. So we're giving those tickets away. 
Now let's bring out a man that uh, is beloved in this city, made his mark playing for the Dodgers. It is Ron Say. And Ron, thank you for coming on today. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. And you know, it's the book, uh, Penguin Power, Dodger Blue, Hollywood Lights, and a One in a Million Big League Journey. Let me ask you something. Could you have yeah. made the title of the book any longer? <laughs> uh, you know how that goes. Uh, when you have a writer that's uh, doing an article for the paper, uh, his editor writes the the, the, the headline. Uh, that's basically where they took it. And uh, the one in a million there uh, isn't necessarily uh, about something that uh, I accomplished. It, it's more about the lines of which my father-in-law said, what are the chances of this guy making it to the major leagues? One in a million. <laughs> so that's how that nice. came about. And Ken how, Gernick, how, how, let me just say, yeah. Rodney, the great Ken yeah. Gurnick wrote the book. Go ahead. Yeah, Ken is great. How was it working with him, Ron? Uh, Kenny uh, was a delight. Uh, we're having our first uh, book signing tomorrow. Uh, in uh, Santa Monica at uh, Diesel Bookstores, 6.30 p.m. if anybody's uh, in the neighborhood and wants to stop by. So uh, Kenny actually came came about uh, on the second round. Uh, during the time of the pandemic, I was uh, doing my book with a ghostwriter, and he had a pre-existing condition, cancer, unfortunately, that uh, knocked him down. And uh, we had 20 hours of Zoom. Uh, the transcriptions came back. They were really garbled. Uh, essentially, I had to start over. And so I went to uh, Kenny, and uh, Kenny was uh, open arms, and uh, he had, uh, you know, the, the, the experience of, of being a beat writer, uh, a journalist, uh, uh, graduated from Cal State Northridge, held classes out there, uh, did a wonderful job writing my book with me. Uh, thrilled to have him on board. All right, Ron, I, I mentioned this earlier. And I think I asked you this once before, but I remember a game, and I need you to describe the situation. So you're playing third, Bob Welch is pitching. Uh, I think there's a force play at third. Ball hit left side of the infield. Uh, you go over to cover third because you see Welch is coming up. He's going to pick up the ball, and all he's got to do is throw it to you. For whatever reason, he picked up the ball. He wound up, he threw it like 100 miles an hour from like eight feet away and hit you directly in the chest. And I remember the ball hit you, dropped to the ground, and you just stared at him. What in God's name happened, if you can remember that? Uh, uh, actually, it was Andy Messersmith. Oh, it was? And, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, hey, listen, there's a lot of things I've forgotten in the last 45 years, too, so don't, <laughs> don't feel bad about that one. Uh, we had a play on, and, and uh, Bobby starts to go for the ball. We're, we're really not having a play, and I'm trying to call him off. And then when he doesn't hear me, and I'm only a few feet away from him, and he just turns and throws, and he drills me right in the chest. And, and so, I mean, <laughs> uh, you did not hear me? You did not hear me at all, Andy? I mean, uh, come on. And uh, it was one of those things. I have another Andy Messersmith story. Uh, he wasn't pitching this well one night, and I'm getting the uh, emotion from the dugout, you know, the, the hand waving. Uh, and it's like, you know, go talk to him. We're trying to see what we're going to do here. Let's waste some time. So I walk in, and, he's, and, and I get close to the mound. He says, don't walk on the mound. Don't walk on my dirt. Uh-huh. And I'm saying, I don't want to walk on your dirt. <laughs> and, and this is the kind of rhetoric that we'd have when we would go out there for this stuff. I said, you know why I'm out here. I said, we're wasting time. 
And I said, you know, I'm wasting time, but I can guarantee you this. If you don't get this next guy out, you're out of here. <laughs> don't okay? kill the messenger, baby. It's just yeah. me. Yeah. So anyway, we had a we had a lot of fun actually with that. I can remember another time where Fernando was pitching and it's one of those games where it wasn't his and Mike Sosha walks out and I kind of greet him first and and I told him, I said, Mike, I think it's time for you to tell uh, Fernando that it's time for a, uh, a cerveza and a taco. <laughs> <laughs> Ron, what happens? Yeah. What yeah. happens? So, you know, uh, manager goes out to the mound. Uh, everybody comes in. All right, he makes a pitching change. Guy leaves. Everybody's standing there. At that point, yeah. what is everybody saying? Well, it depends on the situation. If there's guys on base, we're just trying to, uh, you know, align this thing, uh, uh, you know, and protect against something, you know, make sure of this, make sure you're aware of that, uh, you know, let, let's, uh, you know, or we're going to put a play on and we just want to finalize there. Ron, Normally the plays Ron, on Ron, in the say, Ron, say, yeah. Ron, say, yeah. come on, man. I, I know, I know better than that. And you know me, come on. I know you guys talking about where we're going to dinner tonight. What's that spot that they told us to go? Um, Let's go. Come on, man. Let's go have well, a couple of pops know, over at Susie's. <laughs> You're not talking about defensive no, no, strategies, no, no, no. Ron. Say, come on, man. Oh, I am telling you the truth. <laughs> and uh, you, there's no way that, uh, you know, when we played at home, we didn't socialize at home. We only socialized when we were on the road because guys either lived in Orange County or they lived in the San Fernando Valley. And, right. you know, we're 60 miles apart at that point in time. So, you know, we, we did our bonding on the road. But, uh, yeah, it probably would have been a good idea to, uh, to, to make reservations for dinner afterwards because if you ever lived in Nobi Kawano's clubhouse, that wasn't, that wasn't a spread in there. Uh, there was no spread in there. It was, it was, it was peanut butter and crackers uh, ate, eaten by Mike Marshall most of the time. And uh, that was it. Uh, nothing, nothing to brag about. Yeah, aren't you amazed when you go into the new clubhouses nowadays and you see the spread and what they got to work with in terms of equipment and locker rooms and lockers and all the stuff that they – it's like, man, you guys don't even know. You don't even know what we had to deal with going into some locker rooms. Yeah, they don't at all. And, uh, you know, they have a chef now. They have a chef in in the ballpark that, you know, make you whatever you want. Uh, They pretty much have – uh, an understanding of, of what each guy likes. And so they'll, they'll cook it up and give it to you. Um, it's a state of the arts facility. Um, you know, I haven't been in there for over a year, so I don't know what other upgrades they've made, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, they have a special place in there now. And, uh, you know, it's part of the lure to get good players to come and play. And, yeah. uh, just like the KO2 plane was back in our time. And uh, we were the only ones who fly. Right. Uh, we're flying, uh, and 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 they used to hang that over our head, saying that, you know, how many guys want to come here and play just to fly on that plane? Uh, oh, so you can see that. So yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny, but w- it was it was a great uh, 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 advantage for us to have that plane. And yes, it put a bigger blue uh, bullseye on our forehead, but at that point in time, it didn't matter. Hey, Ron, you, you mentioned, you know, guys hanging out on the road, getting to know guys, you and you and Andy going at it. Um, Fred and I were talking about this off air, how cool it was back when you played that you, you your infield, you stayed together. I mean, it was it was Garvey, it was Lopes, it was Russell, it was you. And we knew that year after year after year after year, it was something that we looked forward to. We knew it was um, that was the Dodgers infield. 
Um, how cool was it for you to play with the same guys on, in the infield year after year after year and, and getting to know them? Well, uh, we were all homegrown, so we had an opportunity to uh, understand, uh, you know, uh, each player and uh, get to know his families and uh, know quite a bit about uh, him otherwise. Uh, we were all on the same wavelength. Uh, we uh, uh, were, in fact, uh, the most successful infield in Major League history. Uh, it's our, going to be our 50th anniversary, the golden anniversary, on the 23rd of uh, June. Uh, we have a shrine uh, in uh, Cooperstown that's been there for uh, a number of years now. We don't have anything like that at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I would like to see something like that at Dodger Stadium. Um, I think the fans would enjoy seeing something like that in Dodger Stadium. I don't know how many things yes. that you can celebrate for 50 years. It's part of the Dodger organization's tradition and history, but uh, it's up there, and it means a great deal to all of us. Um, so let's get that at Dodger uh, Stadium. Hear the Fred? Hear the, hear the marching orders? I'm hearing them. Yeah, there we go. I'm not going to argue it. that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a very special thing, the, the, the fact that we pretty much doubled up uh, anybody else that uh, was on the same road. And unfortunately, along the way, we pretty much destroyed the Dodgers minor league system for infielders because they had to go someplace else to play. Uh, but it was stability, uh, uh, performance. Uh, you know, we are also the first team in major league history to draw 3 million people at the gate. Uh, they do that regularly now. Uh, they do live in the house that we built. Thank you very much. Uh, we had uh, also the first 30 home run foursome in major league history back in 1977. So we accomplished a great deal. And, uh, actually we had the infield intact and we had the 30 run home for, uh, 30 home run foursome intact when we won the world championship in 1981. Yeah. But Ron, as it played out, you, you didn't finish your career with the Dodgers. Um, no. was it tough for you to leave and play somewhere else? Absolutely. You know, I had hoped that, you know, I would be a Bill Russell, a Mike Sosha, you know, one of those guys that played uh, their entire career with uh, one team. Uh, but uh, I had a long conversation with Peter O'Malley about it, and we still have that friendship today. Uh, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, we we had an understanding. Uh, he was going to help me uh, make the transition as, as uh, smoothly as possible, uh, in which he did. But he convinced me that it was uh, time to go. Uh, there was a new group of players coming on to the scene, much like we did 10 years prior, that included uh, Mike Marshall, the outfielder, uh, Greg Brock, first baseman, uh, uh, Dave Anderson, Alejandro Pena, Pedro Guerrero, and uh, it, it just didn't that 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 uh, that group was now uh, waiting in the wings, uh, much like we had been, and uh, ready to take over. So it was time to move. And uh, so it wasn't over money at that point. They came to you and said, okay, we're going to transition now. Uh, if you read, if you've read some of the Dodger ways to play baseball, there's, there's probably a, a segment in there that refers back to it's better to trade them early than too right. late. And they, they had kind of an age factor uh, built in there about 35 and we're 35. So uh, with the combination of that, plus the, uh, the incoming new players that they wanted to, uh, it was their turn, their time. Uh, that's what uh, made that happen. Yeah, but that's a tough conversation to have, Ron. 
Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I was, uh, I was really disappointed. You know, I really was, but if there was a place uh, that I could have gone, it was uh, definitely the Cubs. My wife was from Chicago. I had a lot of friends there uh, on her side of things. Um, It made my in-laws life, uh, uh, a new form of life (laughs) coming to Chicago and playing for the Cubs. So uh, yeah, it turned out to be a good thing, and uh, fortunately, we had a really terrific season. 1984, uh, lost in the final game of the NLCS in San Diego. Otherwise, the Cubs, uh, you know, I felt really bad about that. That's my second biggest disappointment in my baseball career. Uh, the first being uh, 1978, oh. losing the uh, uh, World Series uh, to the Yankees in uh, in, a, in the game. I believe it was Game Four. Uh, 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 incident with Reggie Jackson, the interference call was not called. And uh, if we had had the uh, instant replay today, uh, we would have won that game, and I'm pretty sure we would have finished off. Re- but that didn't happen. Re- recall that moment for people that aren't aware of it, Ron. Uh, we were ahead 3 nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning. Tommy John is pitching. There are two runners on base. There's a little humpback liner here hit near second base that Bill Russell came over. Um, he got a glove on it. The ball fell right near the bag. He stepped on second base and he threw to first. And on the way to first, Reggie Jackson had been pinned uh, closer to first base uh, because there was the possibility that he might catch this ball. And then when Bill Russell threw to Garvey at first base, he sticks out his hip. The ball hits off his hip, caroms down into the right field corner. And they end up scoring two runs and have a runner at third base. And, uh, Frank Poley was the one who made that call. Uh, it changed the complexion of the series uh, instantaneously. Uh, they ended up tying the game in the bottom of the eighth and ended up winning in 12 innings. And if we'd have gone up 3-1 at that point in time, uh, I believe we would have probably secured it the next day. But that's, you know, here and there, uh, what did happen happened, and we lost. Oh, man, I'm, I'm listening to you tell that story, and I'm feeling it all over again. Um, yeah, I do it, remember uh, it. Hurt very, that. That's very my vividly. that's my biggest uh, that's my biggest uh, biggest disappointment. That's a that's a world. That's not just a game going out the door. That's the World Series yeah. championship going out the door. Yeah. Ron, when you uh, see uh, this, uh, Ron, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, you know, you're, you know, as we got a short time with you here, and you're telling us these stories. How was it for you writing writing the book and and reliving some of those memories? Uh, look, it took really a long time to convince me. I had some friends prodding me for over a period of time. And, and I had one that really started to get really consistent with it. Uh, thought more about writing it. And eh, no, not really. Uh, you know, and here I am at, you know, 73 writing a book, uh, <laughs> finally turned the corner on it. Uh, I felt like, uh, you know, with the fact that uh, Google exists today, that all they have to do is pull up your name and they find out a whole lot more about you than you wanted to. And uh, also the fact that I'm going to write a book and now I'm going to even be opening up myself more. And finally, I just came to terms with it. You know, I said, you know, I do have a story to tell. Uh, I would like to tell it. Uh, I hope it, you know, I hope it uh, hits home for a lot of people, but uh, it was my journey, my biography, my, my, my biography, and uh, Kenny did a wonderful job of putting it on paper. And uh, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, today is uh, the launching of the book, Amazon. You can pick it up on Amazon. Uh, pre-orders are available. So uh, we're excited to see where that goes. And 
as I mentioned, uh, our, our um, book signing tour starts tomorrow in Santa Monica at uh, Diesel Bookstore. Penguin Power, Ron Say. Ron, thanks for coming on. Great stories today. Good luck with the book. Thank you very much, guys. Rodney, Fred, thanks so much for having me. You know, I'll tell you, the stories are oh, priceless. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, just get sit there and listen to the stories all day long, Freddie. Yeah, it's the best part of it. Okay, we're yeah, giving man. away the tickets. Not yet, but very soon to the L.A. Open, the U.S. Open. We're giving those tickets away very soon. And when we come back, we'll talk about that. That's right. We are the home of the Dodgers. Roddy Pete, Fred Rogan. Hope you're having a beautiful, beautiful Monday, and hope you had a great weekend. It's going to be a great week, Freddie. I feel it already. Well, with the U.S. Open in town. Uh-huh. That's going to be fun. L.A. Country Club is the site. L.A.C.C. Like we said, it's a bit mysterious. Yeah. Because some people yeah. weren't allowed in there for years. Yeah. I want to bring on Kevin Gigax now. He is executive director of the SCGA, the SoCal Golf Association Junior Golf Foundation. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Fred? Doing well. Thank you for coming on. What does having the U.S. Open in Los Angeles mean to this community? Well, well, before I start, can I just say what an honor to be on the show with you, the dean of L.A. Sports. Uh, I know you just wrapped up an incredible run at Channel 4, which is less than a block away from our offices here in uh, Studio City. Oh, that's right. You're and, on, uh, uh, what, Coango? Yeah, we're, that's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. right where we are. I huh? know where you're at. And Roddy Pete, uh, you know, a legend <laughs> in his own right, and a cousin of golf royalty, uh, Calvin oh, Pete. Really appreciate you, you guys uh, inviting there me on. There you go. Thank you, Kevin, for that. Appreciate it. Uh, well, I, I heard you guys coming on. You know, it is a little mysterious, but it's not going to be for long. I'll tell you, I just came back from the golf course uh, it's going to be spectacular, and everybody's going to get to see it. So I uh, hope many people get out there, but also uh, seeing it on TV, it's going to be something special. So, hey, what th- hey, Kevin, oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, Kevin, why do you think it's taken 75 years for it to come back to Los Angeles? You know, I, I don't know that I have a guess on that. I just don't, I don't have a sense, but what I do know is that it's not going to take 75 more years. I think this is going to be a spectacular U.S. Open, and uh, – uh, we know they're already coming back in 2039, but I think just being on the West Coast in the perfect weather, we're going to want to be here more often. And, uh, you know, the U.S. Open is really special because you don't have to have a tour exemption. It's the U.S. Open. If you qualify in the proper tournaments, you get an opportunity to play. Is this more the people's tournament than any tournament? I, I think so, right? If you if you get in there, I mean, I don't know if you guys were tracking, but in local qualifying here in Southern California, we had a 13-year-old that made it into the sectional qualifying. It is open. Anybody can do it. So in that sense, you know, if you've got the game and you shoot the score, you're in. There's no there's nothing else. And how does the how does the process work, Kevin, in terms of it being at LACC as opposed to uh, a Riviera or or somewhere else around town? Because there are obviously uh, several beautiful golf courses around Southern California. How did LACC end up with being the spot? You know, I think it's a, it's a long process, and it's really the USGA's process, so I can't speak too much to it. But one thing I've really learned is I've, as I had the chance to listen to the USGA talk about where they're taking the championship in the future is where a player wins their U.S. Open matters. And I think they've identified that uh, winning a U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club 
will be something really special. So I, I think that's how they narrow down the courses is, is really thinking through what are the courses that, that uh, stand the test of time and that provide a championship challenge. All right, so Kevin, uh, you are the executive director of the SoCal Golf Association Junior Golf Foundation. Uh, what does the U.S. Open being here mean for your group? Well, this one's a, a special unique. The U.S. Open has really never had a major community legacy uh, uh, program affiliate with it. And the host club, LA Country Club, came to us several years ago. We've had a long, long-standing relationship with them. But several years ago, came to us and said, we should do something really impactful, something that's never been done with the U.S. Open, and, and, and do something big. And um, we combined up with USGA, LA Country Club, and the SCGA, to formulate a, a really big campaign, the USGA has put in a million dollars. The SCGA has uh, Cronky, Stan, or Josh Cronky and Stan Cronky, the Conquery Sports Enterprises, has put in a million. Steve Ballmer, and we're going to make a major impact for the future of the game. You know, we say that in 75 years we haven't had the U.S. Open, but 75 years from now, the legacy of this U.S. Open is still going to be going. Wow! And and the four youth campaign is all a part of all of this that's going on this week. Yep, that's the vehicle. So we've designed the four youth um, really to ask everyone to participate. If you love golf, if you're driving around and, and golf is something that has meant something to you and you can contribute, no matter what you can do, whether it's five bucks or more, um, we're encouraging people to think about, hey, how do we pay it forward in golf and ensure that all kids and especially, you know, our underserved and underrepresented youth have access to the game and all the game can do beyond the course for kids. So where exactly does the money go? You know, we've got two kind of big things we're trying to think about is how do we serve kids in all communities in Southern California and give them access and opportunity not just to play the game but to, to, to pursue the game and to benefit from positive coaching and youth development that the game can provide. And then the second part of it, a really big thing that we're doing um, is down in – right near Inglewood, there's uh, Jesse Owens Park. It's an L.A. County park, and inside of that park is Mega Hathaway Golf Course. It's a nine-hole par three. It's just this mm-hmm. awesome community asset. People love playing down there, but it's been around for 60 years, and it's, it's really due for rejuvenation. So um, a big part of the campaign is Gil Hans, you know, the, uh, the best of the best, one of the best architects in the world, um, who did the North Course where they play in the championship, has offered his services pro bono um, to come down there and really not redesign anything but restore what is a great golf course and modernize it. You know, it's 60 years old. Golf courses need to be, uh, to be renovated. So he's going to do that, offering his services at no charge. And a big part of the campaign is let's, let's, let's reinvest in this incredible community asset. Kevin Gigax, thanks for coming on. Uh, you guys are doing great work. Good luck with the, uh, with the foundation. And, uh, you know, hopefully, and by the way, anybody listening now that might want to be a part of it, they can contribute in some way. Is that correct? That's correct. If you, people want to learn more, just go to for youth, F-O-R-E, youth.org. Uh, you can learn more, see what we're doing, get involved. If you want to make a gift, that's the place to do it. And, uh, you know, hopefully watch the U.S. Open this week as well. Kevin, thanks for jumping on here. Appreciate your time. Okay. Uh, that's pretty cool, Rodney. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, man. I still, um, I, I, I know we don't know all the answers, but it's it's weird that it hasn't been here for seventy five years. I know, right? Yeah. You like, know. what what do you got to do? Right. You know, I thought it was, I thought it was more like a you know a Super Bowl process where, you know, the certain cities they would round out and and it would keep returning to certain cities because it's big enough and the, and the draw is big enough, but not the case here. Yeah, it's good. It's back. The next one will be in twenty thirty nine. <laughs> they got that figured out. Set already. your clock. Set your clock. That's right. But uh, 
it is it is indeed great news. Sports fans, uh, Celebrity Sweat, AM570 LA Sports, and iHeartRadio continue to support military members and first responders and is proud to present the next Celebrity Top Golf Takeover later this month to welcome the U.S. Open to town. Look out for Instagram Live this Thursday and follow a Celebrity Sweat, the number one celebrity lifestyle brand. Who wants to go to the U.S. Open? Let's do it right now. Come on. 866-987-2570. Two tickets to the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. We want you to have an opportunity to go. Rodney, what caller number? I like number eight, Fred. Number eight, and when we come back, it'll be spirituality time. Ooh, baby. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 